You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from two places. First, from the book of Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 7, which is found on page 695 of your Old Testament of the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along as I read this morning from the Good News Translation. Solomon writes, To have knowledge, you must first have reverence for the Lord. Stupid people have no respect for wisdom and refuse to learn. And then from Paul's letter to Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy in chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, which is found on page 287 of your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. Paul writes to his friend Timothy, I give thanks to God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. I thank him as I remember you always in my prayers night and day. I remember your tears and want to see you so much so that I may be filled with joy. I remember the sincere faith you have, the kind of faith that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice also had, a faith that I am sure you have. For this reason, I remind you to keep alive the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid, but instead his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. Do not be ashamed then of witnessing to our Lord, and neither be ashamed of me, a prisoner, for Christ's sake. Instead, take your part in suffering for the good news as God gives you the strength for it. He saved us and called us to be his own people, not because of what we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He gave us this grace by the means of Christ Jesus before the beginning of all time. But now it has been revealed to us through the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He ended the power of death and through the gospel has revealed immortal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. Throughout different times in my life, I have been afraid of certain things that I have conquered in some way that I am no longer afraid of. And the one of the most prevalent fears that I used to have that comes to mind may seem like an irrational fear, but I promise you that it's a rational fear. It's the most rational of all fears because I used to be afraid of worms. And the reason why I was afraid of worms is because I had a big sister. I had a big sister. We lived on a farm. I had a big sister that would find a worm and chase me and then threaten to make me eat the worm. I have not now, nor have I ever, nor will I ever, eaten a worm. And I was afraid of worms up until my junior year of high school when I took advanced biology from Donna Schmitz and had to dissect a worm. It was our first dissection project, and I learned objectively that a worm is just one tube inside of another tube. There's really not a lot to be afraid of. And having gone through this process of of dissecting a worm, I was no longer afraid. 
I'm still not afraid of worms, so if you find a worm, please don't try and chase me. This is the way that it comes with a lot of our fears, though, isn't it? We're afraid of something, and then we spend some time around it. We overcome that fear by confronting it, and then we find that after a while of being in the presence of something we're afraid of, it no longer rises to that level of being a fear. And so if you're afraid of the dark, maybe it's time to go camping and confront those things that go bump in the night. Or if you're afraid of bats or spiders, maybe it's time for a trip to the zoo. Or if you're like my college professor, Dr. Bender, and you're afraid of ketchup, I don't even know what to tell you, like maybe a Big Mac or something. But as we find ourselves exposed to the things we fear, we do have a way of becoming less afraid. There are obviously exceptions to this. There are things in the world that we find that are worth fearing, and there are fears from which we should never desensitize ourselves. I talked last week about taking risks, about not being afraid to fail and not fearing failure, and I stand by everything that I said. But there are some risks, let's just be honest, there are some risks that are unnecessary. And there are some steps that we can take to alleviate our fears. And even if we never get to the point where we overcome that fear, we can do things in order to make things more tolerable. Right? But there are some fears that I don't think we should ever overcome. There is one fear in particular that our scripture highlights for this morning, the one fear that we should never desensitize ourselves, and one fear that we should never overcome. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the the book of Proverbs, and in Proverbs, in this tribute to godly wisdom, Solomon, the author, Solomon, thought to be the wisest person in the world, Solomon is trying to pass on this wisdom that God gave him. He's trying to pass this wisdom on to his sons and all who would go on to read those words. And after a few verses extolling the virtues of this project, Solomon provides to God's people, to all of God's people, the very first proverbial statement in the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the fear we should never overcome. And what I think is so interesting is that throughout the entire collection of wisdom called Proverbs, Solomon will return to this phrase three more times at pivotal moments. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge as he is trying to get the people of God to walk in wisdom rather than in folly or uncertainty. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The problem is is that this phrase has been misunderstood, and more than that, this phrase has been misused. When we hear that phrase, the fear of the Lord, we hear the word fear and can think that Solomon is saying that God is someone to avoid. 
that God is someone to fear, that God is someone to distance ourselves from. Fearing God. Fearing God can paint a certain picture of the way that God can be seen as the way that some outside of our faith and even some inside our faith view God. Fearing God in the wrong way would make us think that God is angry or vindictive and that we have to do everything in our power to appease who God is. Fearing God can lead us to viewing God as someone up in the sky with a magnifying glass watching our every move, just waiting. Just waiting for us to step out of line so that he can lay some divine smackdown on us so that we never do that ever again, ever. When it's read on its face, this phrase implies that we should be afraid of God in the same way that we can be afraid of clowns or heights or tight spaces. And though there certainly have been times throughout the testimony of Scripture, there have been times when God's own people have been afraid of the Lord. When God showed up in the garden after humanity fell into sin, Adam and Eve hid. Why? Because they were afraid of God. In last week's message, we talked about Exodus 3 of Moses beholding the glory of God in the burning bush. Moses hid his face. Why? Because he was afraid of God. He was afraid of drawing too close. And when God started calling Abram and Sarai in Genesis 12 to the life that they would eventually live, they feared God. Or at least they were afraid of the unease and uncertainty around what God was asking them to do. And it's not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing too. When Jesus encountered Saul on the road to Damascus, we can assume that there was some fear involved. Because as you might remember from Acts chapter 9, there is a light from heaven and a booming voice and Saul is left without the ability to see. And when you add in the fact that nobody else saw or heard anything, they just saw Saul fall down and then not, Saul not be able to see, I'd be afraid too. But this is not the fear of the Lord that Solomon is trying to pass on to his children. This is not the fear of the Lord that Solomon is trying to pass on to future generations of God's people. Viewing the fear of the Lord in this way gives a view of God that is not faithful to the whole testimony of Scripture. And bigger than that, viewing God as something that we have to be afraid of or someone we have to be afraid of doesn't help us grow in our faith. Viewing the fear of the Lord as a fear does not lead us to a meaningful faith that can guide us through those times when we are really, truly afraid. When our brain starts to activate, when our amygdala starts to fire, when our heartbeat starts to race and our muscles start to tense. 
And so if that isn't the fear of the Lord, the question becomes, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord properly? This is where I appreciate the wisdom of the Good News Translation. Did you hear it in our scripture this morning? Did you hear the difference between the fear of the Lord at the beginning of wisdom and how the Good News Translation renders it? Solomon says, to have knowledge, you first must have a reverence for the Lord. A reverence for the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not a quake in your boots, run away, or start a fight type fear. The fear of the Lord is an awe, is a respect, is a reverence at the power and the majesty of the God of the universe. It is a fear or a wonder that allows us to see our own place in in creation and realize exactly how small we are and how vast God is. It moves us to love God for God's sake. It moves us to cling closer to God. It moves us to do all in our power to avoid separation from God. Theologian A.W. Tozer writes it this way, that the fear of the Lord is an astonished reverence. It is a reverence. It is a fear of God. It is a fear mixed with love, mixed with fascination, mixed with astonishment, mixed with admiration, mixed, mixed with devotion. And when we feel it, it is the most wonderful emotion humanity can know. It's a mix of admiration and love and devotion and awe and reverence and respect. And it is the most wonderful emotion we can know. When we fear the Lord in this way, when we fear the Lord properly, if I can be so bold, if we fear the Lord this way, we can grow in godly wisdom as Solomon intended. And more than that, when we fear the Lord in the proper way, we grow in our faith. We grow in our knowledge of God. We grow in our love of God. Fearing God properly inspires us to lean in and draw closer. And it enables us to live as Paul commended to Timothy. In our second reading from 2 Timothy, Paul is giving his last words to Timothy. And among those last words is this reminder that God doesn't want us to be afraid. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but God gave us a spirit of power. A spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. God doesn't want us to be afraid but the world is scary. There are worms everywhere. God wants us to live with courage and hope. God wants us to embrace this spirit of power. When we fear God, 
when we revere, when we respect, when we stand in awe of God, we find that we fear other things less. When we put more and more of our trust in God, we feel and and figure out that we fear less and less what anyone or any other thing can do to us. The reality is, is that as we live life, we are going to encounter things that we fear. And some of those things are going to be worth fearing. There are some things that we'll fear for a while and then get over. But as we grow in the fear of the Lord, we will also grow in courage and in hope. And so, dear friends in Christ, fear God, but do not be afraid. Would you pray with me? Holy and mighty God, we give you thanks for who you are, truly, who you are. We give you thanks for the ways that your power is on display throughout your word and the way that your power is on display in our own lives. And we think of your power and sometimes we are moved to scary fear. But help us to fear you properly. Inspire in us awe. Inspire in us admiration and inspire in us devotion so that we can face a scary world as those who are unafraid for we draw our confidence from our fear of you properly understood in your name we pray amen thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the canton united methodist church join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every sunday morning for worship And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.